welcome to Teaching Channel Talks. As often as I can, I talk to expert educators about addressing challenging issues in education. I'm your host, Wendy Amato. You may know my guest today as the science lady. It's Kathy Renfrew, advocate for equitable quality science, science education specialist, coach, curriculum specialist, and best of all, educator. Kathy, welcome. Hi. <laughs> Kathy, you're in all kinds of science circles and you definitely have access to leaders and administrators. You have a supported science education as an NGSS curriculum reviewer. Your understanding of those standards is deep. I'd like to talk a little bit about what you wish school leaders really knew about science. What do we want them to know? There are there are so many school leaders that don't feel qualified or competent when they step into a, a science classroom. They don't feel that it's their prerogative to give content feedback. How can we help? What can we do for school leaders? So that's a really interesting thing. There are tools um, mm -hmm. coming, being developed, um, you know, and, and along those lines, things to help them. Um, I kind of have these things that are really important. If I was just talking to them what I think is important in terms of trying to make that happen um, is that one of the things I think that they need to understand is that it's every, it really is every child's right to have quality science education, to be taught science. Mm -hmm. And it's not a privilege. And I think in many places, that's not the case, that they don't have that access to science education. It's not the same. I would say that many children, even when science is supposedly, in quotes, being taught, don't have access to it because they're not really engaging in those practices of science and engineers. Think about leaders looking into classrooms and looking for science. What I'm hoping they're going to see is the doing of science, not the sitting and listening to science, a science book being read, or not sci seeing science in the last 20 minutes on Friday afternoons when right. the teacher is just looking <laughs> for the filler. But basically, um, really trying to look for children engaging, look for children asking questions, listen for children. Yeah, you're talking about science as a verb. Science I'm is something you do. We don't circle around it and talk about it and look at it. We do it. And that should be a right, not a privilege. That's right. So for, so for school leaders, then, are you saying you want them to think about every child's right to be taught science, to do science? Should that inform the way they spend their budget, the things they advocate for, or the way the schedule is made? Well, I have to admit, I'm slightly biased along those lines. <laughs> Well, let's tell let's tell school administrators what they need to hear. No holes barred. Kathy, bring it on. So I really do think that, yes, it should inform all of the things you just talked about, um, budget, economics. But I also think that it's so, having said that, I think that there are things that um, it's really important that leaders understand is that we're not saying, I'm not saying that, um, reading and writing aren't important, um, or ELA or mathematics isn't important. I'm just saying that we have to read and write about something, which is a line that I've used often. Um, when I think about it, I can think about a story um, of some research that Nell Duke has done. And Nell Duke is a, 
a literacy leader from Michigan. Um, but one of the things she did is she was involved in some research where two groups of children were asked to read um, some text about baseball. All right. And then they were tested on their understanding of this piece of text about baseball. So one of the groups of children that were asked to read knew so much about baseball. They'd been to baseball games. They'd played baseball. They'd had just lots of different experiences. They'd watched it on TV, et cetera, right? But they were struggling readers. They really struggled um, in terms of reading and writing. It was very difficult for them. And then the other group of children um, that were tested in this were a group who were excellent readers. Oh my goodness, they could read anything way above grade level, um, et cetera. But they knew nothing at all about baseball. And they were tested on the on their understanding of this piece of text, specific text that they read. So who do you think did better? I know. On, Tell me. It was the experienced. It was the, the group of students who had had all of that experience about baseball. They'd been doing, they'd been playing baseball. So when I think about it like that, it's so, so very important that in science, we're not just reading and writing about science, but we're actually doing the science first. And then we're able to read and write and speak and listen about their first, my firsthand experiences in science. The National Science Foundation recognized you with the Presidential Award for Excellence in Science Teaching. So a recommendation that comes from you about how to teach science, I think there's some some weight to that and, and appreciative of it. I, I hear you emphasizing the importance of doing the investigations first. Give, give some kind of foundation, make some kind of connection that is that personal lived experience, and then everything else clings on to that. Yeah, it really does cling on to it. And it really does develop. I'm, I'm imagining all the school leaders wanting to support families, wanting to help make connections with the community. And then I'm matching that with your recommendations about learning becoming uh, local, connecting to local things. Is there guidance that we'd want to offer to school leaders related to the investigations first or the getting experience for reading and writing? How do we, how do we help them support science teachers? How do we help them make decisions at a programmatic level? They've got the influence. So one of the, one of the sets of tools that I uh, certainly um, not the developer of, but I was an organizer, I was an author on one or two of them, um, is the STEM teaching tools. And mm -hmm. they offer multiple, multiple, I can't even talk about um, the resources they they do, but, but the thing that I like best about them is they could be used at a staff meeting because there's questions Excellent. on them, you know, things to think about. What are some things we want to think about if we want to think about this? So if we want to consider um, doing some integration next year in our classrooms, there would be some questions that we might want to think about and we can find those. Um, and actually I could help document 
the specific ones on some of that. Well, you. I think we, we I'm, should include a resource here with the podcast for people and get them pointed right. in the right direction. I'm also really happy to hear you talk about uh, interdisciplinary work or integrated instruction. That's something that you and I have talked about previously. We both value it highly because it yeah. reflects the real world. How can we get some collaboration between content areas along the lines of what you're describing? Um, I'm not sure, but I think one of the first ways we have to do it, even before we get to that piece of it, mm -hmm. um, just, this is just something I think that in terms of schools where science is being taught, and often now, um, it's not, not often, but some of the times now, it's not in um, self-contained classrooms, or it's a what they're calling a STEM, a STEM teacher, and then um, the the science or a science specialist and the homeroom classroom teacher. Um, what often happens, I think, then is that the the classroom teacher says, "Oh, I don't need to teach science because the science teacher is teaching science." So that means that now those kids, and I'm going to say probably three grades three through five, are probably getting it twice a week from the science teacher, at least twice, but. It's 40 minutes, it's 40 minutes, usually or 45 minutes. Um, but then there's no, there's no connection right. between or support for that work. Right. So one of the things, I, another thing I would say to, to leaders or building leaders, thinking people that are really paying attention to that is that it's really important that um, the classroom teacher who has the child in their classroom for instruction the majority of the time doesn't just drop what's happening happened in the science classroom and that should be coordinated it should be coordinated and thought through um, which then gets to planning time again which goes back to scheduling but all of those things are really important um, so I like hearing about the importance of planning and allowing for collaboration time and time is obviously the most precious commodity, especially in education. So we have to expect school leaders to be intentional in making sure it happens. I think there've also been some really good decisions made in professional development when, when the stated goal is collaboration, when the stated goal is integrated instruction. We, yeah. we, have, to, we have to ask people to be attentive to it if, if that's what we expect as an outcome. Right, yeah. And I don't think that all, and I don't think that always happens. I think that unfortunately, even, not. sometimes even with the best of intentions, but, but I will say that, you know, you were talking about integration and I, I do think that that really is an important thing. Um, and I do think, I'll be honest, I think it's easier for a self-contained classroom to be mm -hmm. able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we need to again help people understand what integration means and that um, all of the disciplines that we say that we're teaching we need to be taught with integrity so again it's going back it's actually doing the science or and making real social studies connections and reading about real things um, and making math connections that aren't superficial but that really are meaningful um, I'm not saying that everything can be taught in a totally integrated manner because, you know, I tried it, didn't know what I was doing, but <laughs> tried it, worked sometimes, didn't always work. Um, 
And those are the things that are important. But again, it was easier for me. I think I was in a self-contained classroom do, trying to do that um, with a very supportive administrator who was able to, at that time, I was in a small rural school and my principal pretty much, we talked all the time and um, it was just conversations, you know, um, it, it just happened. And as a result, I planned my whole day. Nobody told me what time I needed to do anything. It was just during the time. I had a math program that I taught. I didn't, I was using, um, th thinking about reading and writing at the time. I was doing literacy-based writing, but it was real with trade books. Um, so I was doing those things, but also working with my administration as long around doing that same thing, making that happen. A lot of administrators make recommendations because they feel that there is a certain testing pressure. Can we talk about testing and the sciences and what you'd like for administrators to know about that? Yeah, and I can do that from a lens of been there, done that. Yes, you, yes, please do. You <laughs> so when I, when, I, when I think about that um, as uh, a former, I guess, state science assessment coordinator, um, one of the things I want to say, first of all, is a good test, a good assessment should mirror instruction, um, should really mirror instruction. They shouldn't be so different um, that, you know, they just shouldn't be different. Let's just put it that way. They shouldn't be different. Shouldn't be just straight multiple choice. I don't think many children, even in any reading and writing classroom, are doing straight multiple choice every day of the week kind of thing. Oh, they shouldn't be. Um, and anyway, um, so as a state science coordinator, I really was instrumental in developing the state science assessment. Mm -hmm. And what and this, I I worked in collaboration with um, um, state science people from two other states. Um, and we developed at that time what was called the NECAP um, science um, science test. And it was given at grades four and eight. Um, but I want to tell you a little bit about that assessment because that assessment had an inquiry component. And in that inquiry component, students worked in partners where, where they, they did investigations and collected the data, the analysis and interpretation of the data and the drawing of conclusions that was all done individually. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was, a, that was one third of our state assessment. There were two other sessions that were multiple choice, pretty much content-based, but there was that one piece that literally mirrored what we valued, right? That was what was valued in science instruction. And so that was the message we intended to send um, to everybody. You that rattled test, some cages with that design. I'm thinking I'm some sure people had did. to really work through that. <laughs> but... But having said that, that kind of a design that has moved on now to be the computer, the computer design, and people are working on it. I do believe they're working on it. But I think what's happened is, um, or what is still happening, is that testing, the testing scores, that high-stake testing, that fear of what, um, what those scores are going to be, whether in uh, mathematics or reading or science, regardless what the subject is, mm -hmm. has put an enormous pressure 
on teachers as well as administrators and so it works back down and that pressure then is felt often by students but what happens then is so long there's usually i would say and this is i actually watched this happen when i was a science coach is that probably i would say two months out of the school year was spent on getting ready for the test which then took another week to test so that's almost that's a lot of instructional time that's lost by doing drill and kill or whatever to get us to be able to do the test right um so i mean my offering through that time or my thinking about all of that is that if you're offering um, good quality instruction whether it be in mathematics or reading writing or science your students are going to do fine and they do not need to be doing those problems from last year's test over and over again so that they know that they're going to be fine and and this i know is in reality still happening in places in this country i've actually um had this experience this year um talking to a teacher um because i'm also now in a position where as a virtual coach um i get to talk to people all across the country and um they're basically being told at this point of the year and there's two there's two months left that all they all they can teach is um quote um examples from last year's test yeah well yeah it's time to time shift to gears and do test shift pra- gears get and, your and practice questions out the, we're oh. into test, so, yeah. that gives me a stomach ache yeah yeah <laughs> i hear i hear three really key pieces of guidance from you for school leaders it's about the the right to learn science in a, in an active way i hear you asking school leaders to help the structure of the program support this idea of 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 investigating or getting some experience first and then using that for the reading and writing and i hear you saying let's let's focus on real instruction and let the testing be its own thing incidental if we need it and 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 i hope i hope school administrators will hear that it's an important message right now uh, more than ever as we think about what 2020 and 2021 have done for those hands-on experiences that are so essential can i can i speak just because of something you just said i want to please one of the things the other thing that i've seen or heard a lot of in the last couple of years is that it's how are we going to catch everybody up? Mm-hmm. How are we going to remediate? How are we going to fix? I really hope that we can sit back. We can look at leaders can sit back and look at their schools and look at their teachers, look at their students and find those bright spots, find those shining pieces from the past few years because there was a lot of learning going on and that might not have been science learning it might not have been exactly what we wanted them to learn in reading and writing and math but they learned and many of them became more resilient yes some struggled i'm not saying that but let's think about it from a different if i'm a leader i really want to think about it from a different perspective i want to think about it from what the child now is bringing to the table what what do they know that they can now make 
be part of their learning experience. Yeah, they certainly have had investigations and experiences. We just need right. to identify them and build on those, not count two years as lost. Right. Own the discovery of what was actually happening and make it science, make the science thinking grow from there. I love it. Fellow educators, I am feeling very lucky to have had time with Kathy Renfrew, the science lady. Be sure to share this episode with your science and your non-science friends. Our students are counting on us. You can find links to topics that Kathy and I discussed down in the show notes or at teachingchannel.com slash podcast. Please take a quick moment to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening app. It will help more educators to find us. I'll see you soon for another episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.